Welcome to another inspirational message from Bridge Church Melbourne. Here I am today to share with you. So if you're turning your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17, let me just uh, pray as we start. Father, I pray today that you will just open our hearts to receive your word, that it'll be something that comes not from the words of man, but from the life of the Spirit, uh, from the word of God into our hearts that changes us, challenges us, moves us on in your plan and your purpose for our lives. Amen. Amen. Title of my message this morning is The Faith Protocol. And I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you, and hopefully that title will sort of make sense. So 1 Kings chapter 17, starting at verse 7, says, Sometime later the brook dried up because there'd been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, that is to Elijah, and said, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. And so he went to Zarephath. Uh, When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you've said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah." You know, this is one of the most incredible miracles in the Bible of constant supply in in a situation where God miraculously provided for the prophet who was an obedient, um, uh, the, the prophet who was an obedient prophet, but also then for the woman of faith and her son. Now, the background to this story is simply that Elijah had prophesied to Ahab, who was probably the most godless king Israel ever saw. Um, and, and he told him that because of his sin, God would bring drought upon the land. Now, there's a side point to that. The, the, the responsibility of leadership is so important. The ramifications and the repercussions for how we lead and how we outwork God's purposes in our life. So Ahab was appointed by God is so important because his sin, his actions meant the whole land suffered. That's just a side point. But here we see that for a season, God looked after Elijah in this drought by sending ravens with food. But when the water supply at the brook dried up, he sent him then on to Zarephath. And here this woman, whose husband had died some time before, had left, was left there with her son, and she became the source of miraculous provision for him and for her until the Lord 
brought uh, rain upon the land. Now, this message for us today is the faith response of the widow. There's a message in it for us. The faith response of the widow. You do not need to have much for God to do what he wants to do in your life. In fact, all you have to do is be willing to use that which is in your hand. That's enough for God to work with. That is what I call the faith protocol. So we see in this story what the woman had was like the seed in a farmer's hands. But if a, se- if a farmer has seed in his hands, it actually means nothing. If he walks around the field with the seed in his hand, it doesn't do anything at all. But when he releases that seed and he sows that seed, that's when we see something happen. In this case, the woman follows the instructions of the Lord and because she does, she reaps a harvest. You see, seed is usually the way that God answers us when we cry out with a need. It's, it's seed. The truth is that in all the stories of the Bible and the examples that we can uh, draw from our own life experiences over years of being believers is rarely will God present us with a finished product. So I, I, I remember uh, T.D. Jakes, years ago I heard him say this. He said, when, we, when people cry out to God with a need, they often expect a fully grown tree, but what God provides is a seed that needs to be planted or sown. So good, isn't it? Yeah. Now in this story, what we see with the, the seed, this little bit of flour, this little bit of oil in the hands of the widow... But it wasn't what she had, it's what she did with what she had that led her to the great provision. Now, you know, right through history, there are many, many examples of people who have done incredible things with very little. Against all odds, amazing things happen when somebody takes hold of the little they have and do what God wants them to do with it. Moses is a great example. Here he was at the banks of the Red Sea. The Egyptian army were coming this way. All of the nation of Israel were there and there was nowhere for them to go to escape. And God says, take the rod that's in your hand and stretch it out over the water. And as he does, the waters part. Uh, It wasn't just some little channel. The waters were held back for miles back and the land dried out and they walked across. And then as the Egyptian army was coming, the water came crashing back down. The little that he had was all that he needed to do. If he did what God wanted him to do, he was going to see, and he did see the answer. Joshua is another one. Joshua leads the nation into victory against a, a walled, unpenetrable city called Jericho. Because God had promised them the land, and this city stood almost in their face saying, you can't take this land. And so God said, this is what I want you to do. You go and you march around the city seven for seven days. And then on the seventh day, you march around the city seven times. And then you blow the trumpets and then the walls come down. And because they did what they were uh, asked to do, 
and they took that seed, if you like, and sowed it, then that not just brought the walls of that city down, but it actually opened by faith the whole uh, nation, the whole uh, area, the land of Canaan to them because they uh, stood on the word of the Lord and did it. The command of the Lord was clear. The seed was the action of faith. They activated the faith protocol. They marched around the city and then came the break. Through David's another example. Five smooth stones. So he, the, the giant Goliath had kept the whole army of Israel at bay for days on end, and nobody was prepared to go up against him. And, and, and David comes along with his lunch, uh, with the lunch for his brothers. He was only about maybe 20 years old at the time. David comes along and he says, I, I can do this. And so he took up five pebbles, and all he had was five pebbles in his hand, and he was able, in the name of the Lord, to take the little he had, and it became the abundance he needed, and he took down that giant, and we know the history of David from that point. It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have that makes the difference. <clears throat> now, in modern times, we've seen the same determination in people's lives uh, as we've seen in the time of Israel. Seeds that turn into great things, great ministry endeavours that are born out of the simplicity of action, taking a seed and acting with the seed. <clears throat> I'm, I love reading about revivals, and one of my favourite revivalists was actually a man who was... The, the revival only went for a couple of years, but it's, it was the Welsh revival, Evan Roberts. Actually, it was the second Welsh revival, but it was uh, 1904 to 1906, I think, was the, the time. And he was a young coal miner who got a stirring in his spirit <clears throat> that he began to build on in prayer and, and feel that God was wanting to do something in the nation. And that just because of that, that nation entered into re re revival that not... It's not the length of time it went for. It's the shockwaves that happened around the world because he did that which God had called him to. Around the same time, although these men never met, there was a man called William Seymour who began with the seed of prayer that led to the outpouring that's widely considered the start of the Pentecostal church in the modern days in the Azusa Street Revival. He, he, he was an he was a, um, a, a African-American preacher and in a very poor part of South LA. I've actually driven through South LA even today. It's not the nicest place to go through. But in that day, it was, a, it, it was a, not a really nice place to be. But that's where God stirred something that then had repercussions around the world because somebody did something with that which God had placed in their hands and told them to do. Amen. In 19, uh, no, 1865, this is going back a while now, Hudson Taylor founded the China Inland Mission. That's actually called the Overseas Mission Fellowship International today. And actually, you know, uh, we, we profiled a number of our partners in our church last week, but one who wasn't able to be there is a, is a quiet little lady called Georg. Um, some of you may know her. But uh, Georg is actually still, uh, she's actually come back from China now because it's very dangerous in the area that she's in, and she's 
retiring anyway, but she's still working for OMF. This organisation that was started in 1865 is still active in the world today, and uh, people like Georg have sewn their lives into that as well. But uh, Hudson Taylor's work inspired generations of missionaries. One man just said, I've got to go and do something. And because he did, the world is different. We all know the organization World Vision. That was actually started by a guy called Robert Pierce. And what happened is he was sent by uh, the Youth for Christ movement in, from America, and he was sent to, to China. And when he was there, he was talking uh, and, and sharing with uh, some young people about Christ, and, and uh, they made decisions for Christ. And the next day, he saw one young girl who came back to um, the, uh, the, the training place where they were, and she was battered and bruised, and he was really concerned with this, and he asked her why, and she said, I went home and I told my parents about Jesus, and they beat me and threw me out of the house. I have nowhere to live. And so this is where World Vision started out of this, because he thought, well, what can I do? The, the orphanages in the area were all full. There was no other place for her to go. Oh, well, there was, but there was no funding for it. So he made a commitment to pay $5 a month for her to be able to be cared for and, and also grown in uh, the Bible and all of that stuff. And so the, 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 the thing, again, we see here that this great organisation that's in 90 countries around the world today, and even though they sort of lost their way a little bit, are coming back into a line with their biblical purpose, um, is this was started by a man who said, I've got $5 a month, and he sowed that $5 a month, and, and amazing things have happened. It's not what you've got, it's what you do with what you've got that really makes the difference. You know, last week you saw uh, here in every campus we showed you the Disciple the Nations video. And uh, we have a man, in fact, I was with him only two weeks ago, Pastor Patrick Kabongo was one of the two men that we profiled uh, in that. And uh, I was up in the north part of Uganda with him. And interestingly, we'll be praying a little bit later for anybody here who's going on the medical team to Uganda and Kenya uh, in just a couple of weeks. I think some of you uh, might be leaving tomorrow, but I know in two weeks' time, and Dave's uh, leading that trip. Is that right, Dave? Yep. And, uh, and uh, they're so excited about you coming because I, when I went up north with Pastor Patrick, some, uh, Ray Lee, is Ray Lee here? Because Ray Lee is behind the raising of uh, phenomenal amounts of money each year for medical supplies. And so this is a medical trip. And we were able to take some of the, some of the funds that went there were for the north. The team doesn't get to the north because it's, it's right up the top of Uganda. Um, but, uh, but we were, uh, Pastor Patrick was able to buy some supplies and we were able to give it out to the churches up there so they can take care of the same need uh, up there because the, the needs are up there are the same in the middle. But they're so excited because when this team comes, they go into all the villages and just share with the people, but they, just some basic uh, health needs are met because people have taken the little they've got and made it something Great. So 20 years ago, let me just tell you about Pastor Patrick. He's become a great friend 
of mine. I've been there about eight or nine times now. And, and he's, uh, about 18 months ago, I took Pastor Phil Hills back there who, because the, he's the one that made the first connection 20 years ago. And they both told me that 20 years ago, Pastor Patrick was this shy man who wouldn't even look Pastor Hills in the eye because he was this great man of God and here was this humble little what am I. And he, at the time, he had just started a church and then started a, a, another small one. And, and, you know, in that time, as God has built into him, because he did what God called him to do. So but years before that, he was very, very sick uh, to the point of death. And he said, God, if you bring me through this, I'll devote my life to you. So he gave his life to the Lord. And now, 20 years later, there's more than 200 churches. He's raised leaders and planted over 200 churches because he took the little that he had and it became the abundance that he needed because it's not what you've got. It's what you do with what you've got that makes the difference. Now, in this story here in in, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, story from ancient times, the same is true. We see a woman who's probably in today's value got about 40 cents worth of food to her name. Just an obscure woman in a rural area in what is now modern-day Lebanon, right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Sounds like a nice spot, but you can't drink salt water, and so there wasn't anything in the land. They were in drought, and uh, here we see she does something so simple and so small, and yet the repercussions are bigger than we can even imagine or see through the story. Because this woman obeyed God and did something, her story has been told for thousands of years around the world. Now put yourself in her place just for a moment here. Imagine that all you have right now is a handful of flour and a few drops of oil. Imagine if that was your life and all you had was enough to make a tasteless doughy cake to see you through just another day or two, to keep you alive for a few more hours before you laid down and just waited to die. Just hanging on to life, stretching that life out a little bit further. And why do we do that? Because I think where there's life, there's hope. So we always stretch out. But what we see here is a remarkable thing taking place because it's, it's not that she had anything spectacular, but what she did with what she had changed her life. Now today I want us to look at what this widow did and see what we can learn from it and learn from her experience and apply to our own lives and our own walk with the Lord. You see, the thing about this woman is that she was no one special. She just took a leap of faith. Now, that's great comfort to me because, you know, if I look back on my life, uh, who am I? Who am I that God would take my life and use my life? You know, I was a shy 17-year-old that God got got hold of and you know, I, 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 I just said, God, my life's in your hands. And, and for nearly, four, actually 40, 40, 44 years, um, I, I've, I've been serving the Lord and just doing the things that God has called me to do. Uh, God just takes ordinary people and allows us to do extraordinary things if we put our lives in his hands. And every one of you in this room... Uh, Well, some of you might be extraordinary, but I think most of us were ordinary people before the Lord, but he can do extraordinary things through us if we'll let him. And so here she was. But the first thing 
that this woman did was in verse 12, this woman faces the reality of the situation she's in. Now, it seems to me that she actually knows who Elijah was. I, I don't think Elijah had a big sign around him saying, hey, I'm a man of God. I just think that he was probably known in the region because he'd travelled around so much. And so she was aware that he was a man of God. And she knows that he's a man of God. So it's my thought that even though her words seem like words that are in, in, in exasperation, uh, sort of like she's, it's almost like she's saying to Elijah, have, have you looked around here? I mean, you know, wake up and smell the roses. There's nothing here. There's no food. Read my lips, buddy. I'm not feeding you. I've got my son. You can imagine those thoughts going through her mind. And yet at the same time, I think there was an expectation in her heart that maybe if she was honest with this man, maybe he had an answer for her because he was a man of God and maybe he carried the answer. And so there was a sense of faith even in those words of desperation. And I think sometimes in our own lives, even in desperation as we come before the Lord, there's a sense of faith, there's a sense of maybe, God, you've got the answer for me. So the reality in this situation is that this woman did not have enough But the first thing you need to do, hear hear, hear this very clearly, the first thing that you need to do when you find yourself in a situation, a circumstance in your life, whatever area of life, is when you don't have enough, is face the reality of the situation that you're in. Because it's not about what you have anyway. It's about who you trust in and what you do with what you've had. Now, that's a very important point because faith is not blindly stepping out without taking stock of the circumstances. You know, if you're standing in a place uh, and there's a train coming towards you on a train track, it's no good saying, by faith, I'm not here. You're going to get hit by that train. So the reality is you're in that situation. Now, you can step out of the way. I just couldn't think of another quick example at the time. But... Um, you know, the, 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 the point is that you can't deny the circumstances that you are going on in your life, but you can let the seed become a catalyst for what God wants to do. And so she evaluated what she had, and the reality is the odds were heavily against her lasting more than a few days. Now, if she stopped there, there'd be a problem. But then we see the second thing she did is that she listened to the man of God's response. She listened to the word, the word of the Lord, and she stepped then into the fourth dimension. She stepped into faith. She sowed the seed in the fertile ground uh, of the promises of God. We see this in verse 13 through to the first half of 15. She enacted the faith protocol. Now, don't miss this important point here, that if she'd have kept her mouth shut, if she'd have told Elijah just to get lost, or even if she'd have thought, oh, I'll just quietly feed him on the side and you know, then he'll go on his way and then we'll just you know, die. Uh, you know, she would have. She would have missed out on the whole plan and the purpose of God for her life in bringing Elijah into her life. Living by faith is not about trying to do it ourselves. It's when we make our inadequacy known to God 
that we set the platform for God to move in the miraculous. Now, the woman could have missed the plan of God for her life. She could have died, and Elijah would have moved on because God would have just moved him to somebody else to provide for him. By laying out her need, by laying out her lack, she set the stage for God to respond in her life through the man of God. And then she had a choice to make, to feed him, to sow that seed, or kick him out and feed her son that last miserable meal. So the word of the Lord into your life and to your circumstances right now is this. No matter where you're at, no matter how desperate things might be, if you will come to God with the little you have and sow that seed, he will turn it into the abundance that you need. I am living, breathing example or evidence of the providence of God time and time and time again in my life. And I think that if you think about what God's done in your life, many of you would say the same. So many times when you've been on the edge and there's nowhere to go, and it's because you're on the edge and because you step out in God that you find that he meets you at the point of your life. Physically, emotionally, materially, spiritually, God does not let us down when we put our trust in him. It's not what we've got, it's what we do with what we've got. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? If it's given over to God, it's enough. In fact, it's more than enough. You know, when this woman who was starving and desperate, almost at the point of defeat, when she faced her inadequacy, Uh, trusted God in the midst of it, she set the stage for the miracle. And what a miracle it was. But but, but here's the thing. It it didn't just appear. It's not like she said, okay, God, I'll do things your way, and suddenly it appeared. It, it, It didn't happen like that. She had to commit to the word of the Lord in order to receive the promise. She then, uh, she had to, to sow what was in her hand, she had to activate the faith protocol. Now imagine for a moment, here you are in the scene three to 4,000 years ago. So the, the heat, the dryness, you're in the middle of a drought. It's not pleasant. The house is hot, the air is still. There's no sound of birds in the air because they've long gone. They've gone searching for water and food. So it's a very, the dust is swirling around the parched fields where crops once gently blew in the breeze. There's nothing there. The land is barren. There's little hope of life in the place. And, And the word of the Lord swims through your mind as you stoke up the fire in the back of the oven. You, you, the, the word of the Lord is, 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 is there. You mix the little bit of oil and the flour together and you, you make this little piece of flat bread and you put it in the oven. So, so while it bakes, you look back at the jars and, and, and you notice there's still nothing in them. You think, okay, I've, I've done, I've, I've made, I'm, I'm making the bread. Where, where's the promise? Uh, it's not too late, you know, you, 
You could still eat it yourself, and you and your son, you, you could, you know. But no, there's this sense of destiny that the prophet of God has spoken, that God will provide. He's given you a word, so you, you say, no, I'm going to stand on the word. And then, then, the, then the timer goes off, not that they had one back then, but the, the, the bread cake is ready, and you remove it from the pan, and the aroma starts wafting around the little mud brick kitchen, and and, and you begin to drool and your son comes up and he begins to drool and he looks up with you with those puppy eyes, you know, like, am I getting this, mummy? And, and, and you, know, you know, he's hungry and you, you, your heart it begins to struggle again a little bit with, do I meet the need or do I trust my God? And, and, and do I feed the stranger or do I feed my son? This is a hard moment. Another look in the jars, and the jars are still empty. Uh, it, it, but it's not too late. You know, you, 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 can, you can eat it. You can, you can both have it. Uh, everything in your mind says, do it. Just eat it. Just, just eat it and die. But still that still, small voice begins to crowd out. And you say, no, no, no. I, I'm not going to do that because I've heard a word from the Lord. I, I've got a word from the Lord. And with trembling hands, you, you take the piece of bread out to Elijah and, and, and he eats it in front of you. And your son is looking at him eating his last piece of bread. Yes, and you, he's just looking up saying why. He, he doesn't understand it. You see, faith is not always the easy road. Sometimes it can see far more, seem far more rationally to do it your way. But faith is really the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews chapter 11. Now these are not times when we feel like saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, these are the times where we feel like doing the exact opposite, but these are the times when we need to punch out those words. This is why our scripture knowledge is so important, reading the word of God, because we get these things into us so we can call on them. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And you know, all those scriptures by faith, you know, Abraham uh, believed God and it was credited. We take hold of these scriptures and they strengthen us in those times when we know we want to act for God, but we feel like doing it our way. And then we see in verse 15, second half and 16, it says that she, we see that she reaped the rewards for her obedience. And this is where we see the actual outworking of the, the physical side of the faith protocol. She returns to the house. She's fed the man. She's completed that which was the task given to her. She's sown the seed. She's done the right thing. She's done what God wants her to do. She goes back into the house and there she sees in the corner the jars, not just full, but almost overflowing. The jar of oil is overflowing. The jar of flour is overflowing. And that stayed that way until the Lord brought sustenance back into the land. This woman was just an ordinary person. She was no different uh, than, than, than you and I. And and what she did, she told it like it was. She says, I don't have enough. But then she responded in the, to the word of faith and she acted on the word of faith and that small seed from which the harvest came began to flow. And because she had faith and she did not turn away from it, then she reaped the reward of faith. So listen to this. The blessings follow 
God's children. That's God's plan. But we need to reach out for them. It's, it, it, it's not important for us to have all the answers to the needs of life. It's just important that we do the right things with the little that we have. It, it's not what you've got. It's what you do with what you've got that makes the difference. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said, when I am weak, then I'm strong. It's so true. When we realize that it's not what we can do, but what he can do in us and through us that makes a difference, then we set the stage for something great. So here's the deal. Where are you at? right now? What, what, what's going on in your life? What areas of your life do you need to see a great victory? Let me just say it one more time. It's not what you've got. It's what you do with what you've got. That really matters. So what's in your hand today? Just that little bit of faith. That's all you need. You don't need to build up your faith because that will be built up when you act on what you have right now. Now is the time. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads for a moment. The first thing that I want to do is just speak to anybody in this place who maybe has never made a commitment of life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it would seem to me that the greatest step of faith that any of us take is a step towards our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. You heard um, in our communion time that all of us are sinners. All of us need a Saviour. And today, I don't know, too many of you here, so I don't know where you're at. I don't know whether this is... You're, you've been coming and searching out life or reality or whether you all know the Lord. But I just want to give an opportunity for you to just respond to the Lord Jesus Christ before we do anything else. An opportunity to say, God, I just want to uh, commit my life over to you. And so if that's you in this place, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just to give you a little bit of privacy to take that step, what I'd like you to do is just simply raise your hand because I'm not going to ask you to come forward or embarrass you in any way, but I would like an opportunity to pray with you right now. And so if there's anybody in this place who needs to make that decision, that first step, if you like, of faith, taking that sense that you have in your own life that this is what you need to do, then just raise your hand right now, just before we move on and pray. And then um, I'll pray for you. If there's nobody here. Okay, just a moment longer, just in case something's happening in your heart and you're just saying, I, I, I don't know what to do, but I, but I know I need to do something. And then take a moment to respond to the Lord. Okay. Maybe you're not ready for that. There's people here that can help you, people you can talk with, find out a little bit more about what it means to live a Christian life. If you, if you want to do that, I know there's a team here that will uh, share with you after the service. But let me now just for a moment just ask you to 
Consider what's going on in your life. What's in your hand? What is your need? Why don't we stand together and just begin to get in that atmosphere of worship just again for a moment. Because in a moment, we're just going to worship the Lord a little bit more before we move on to other parts of the service. I don't want us to move on if there's business you need to do with God. Now, there's two ways you can do that. You see, because you can activate that faith protocol. You can, you, you, if you have a need in your life, maybe there's a physical need, something in your family, something in some area of your life, you can just lift that up to the Lord right where you are. And that's, that's, that's okay to do that. And I'll pray in a moment. If when we worship, you just feel you'd like somebody to stand with you and agree with you, then the prayer team will come back out and they're all well able to stand with you and just pray with you and just agree together. The Bible says where two or more agree on one thing, there I am in the midst. And so if you need to do that, you don't have to do that because God can meet you right where you are. But if you need to do that, sometimes that tactile touch with somebody else, agreeing with you, standing with you, is such a powerful and important thing. But I just want you just to, all of us, just to pray together. And then as we worship, if God's speaking to you and you feel that that's what you need to do, then you come forward before we move on in the service and just quickly agree together that God is with you as you take sow that seed of faith. So Father, I pray across this congregation right now. I pray into every need, every circumstance, every life in this place today, Lord God. Because I know, Lord God, that whatever your people are going through, you are with them in it, Lord God. And right now you're stirring them to see that there's things that they can do. They may not have much, but what they have is enough if they commit it to you. And so God, whatever the circumstances, whatever the needs, I pray, Lord God, that you will let the little that they have committed to you become the abundance they need in the situation and that we will see an outpouring of miracles across the lives of this congregation as you take hold of people's lives, their needs and their commitment to you. And so I ask this in the name of Jesus and ask you great blessing upon everyone. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. It is an incredible privilege to share with you the Word of God and we trust that you've been blessed by listening. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we want to extend an invitation to you to begin the faith journey of following Jesus. The Bible teaches us every one of us have been created for relationship with God. Sin has separated every one of us from that relationship, but God has provided a solution in giving us His Son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You have an opportunity today to respond with a confession of faith 
and a decision to believe in Jesus. Today, we invite you to make a deliberate decision to invite Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Saviour. Romans 10.10 says that with our hearts we believe and are justified, and with our mouths we confess and we are saved. So right now, if you have faith in your heart and you're ready to make that decision, you can simply pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you that through his death and resurrection, I am forgiven of my sin to start a brand new life. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me and to fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Today, I choose you as my Lord and Saviour, and I thank you that I am now born again as a child of God. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to know and we would love to help you in any way that we can. You can contact us on our Bridge Church website, bridgechurch.com, and we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you have been challenged and encouraged. 